Thank you, Black, uh, for that. Uh, uh, by the way, Muruti Govedi, yes. that comrade needs to be talked to. Uh, discipline is needed for this comrade, uh, Muruti. Uh, he doesn't honor the man of God. Huh? <laughs> Let me go and uh, first start by saying thank you so much for inviting me. Um, it is such a great privilege to always open God's word with God's people. Um, we take it very seriously. Uh, I come from Pretoria currently, but originally from Mafikeng, but uh, my wife and I live in Pretoria. We go to Central Baptist Church. I'm an elder there. I'm not a pastor. I actually have a normal day job like other people, but we are called everywhere, right? Uh, so even where I am, uh, I still feel as called. Uh, my journey is one that's been quite interesting. Uh, I actually, I'll tell you this little story. I went to University of Pretoria to study investment management to ensure that I have a flat in Maboneng. <laughs> uh, the goal was to make money, um, and there God met me. Um, there was a man who um, followed God there to the University of Pretoria residences and shared uh, the gospel with me. His name was Corey Thompson. He was working for an organization called Campus Outreach. Um, and he shared the gospel with me and a few mates of mine and discipled us. Um, uh, and the rest is history, as they say. I went on to work on the campus for a while, uh, worked for six years and uh, met my wife there. Well, we had met before, but got married to her then. We both worked on the campus and uh, felt really inclined to really share what God had done with me to other young people like me. And, and God has really used a broken person like me uh, to really minister his gospel to many others. And it, we'll be touching a little bit on that. Uh, so David, I know because uh, we were both quite in student ministry, though he was in focus and I was in campus outreach, but you know, we crossed over quite a bit. And I've known Pastor David for quite a while uh, because of that before he was married. Uh, and before he had a tag before him called pastor. Uh, dude, I hope you don't use MacBooks to prepare yourself. I wrote mine. <laughs> That's just as a side. So in case you're wondering what... Dude, I'm going to take this off. This is quite formal. I apologize. So I'm going to do that. Um, so, um, so when David asked me to come preach tonight, I was uh, quite honored, like I said. But then he gave me the topic, and I'm like, Ew, I don't know what I'm going to do with that. Uh, and so I began to meet with God. And so hopefully hear not from me, but from God what he has to say to you. Um, so let me pray for us, uh, and then I'll introduce you to the poets I went to, old poets. Uh, and we'll be having John. Uh, we'll be going through John mainly. He'll be on double bass. That's what that is, black. That other thing is called double bass. I knew black doesn't know what that thing is. Yeah. It's not a guitar, black. Okay. Uh, so John will be on double bass, but we'll read from him, read something from Paul, from Isaiah, Micah. We'll be jumping around a little bit, um, but hopefully it will be good. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you that you give such good gifts that, uh, Lord, uh, men and women um, were, who would... Uh, Lord, surrender themselves to you, would use those gifts to point us back to you. And Lord, uh, again, even this evening, um, as uh, I have a chance to open your word again, Father, I pray, do what it is that you've done before and you 
would do again. Work in us, Lord. Holy Spirit, be doing a work with us that none of us, that even I couldn't do, uh, Lord. So I pray, meet with us right now. And Lord, uh, may we not leave this place the same. May we leave here understanding first and foremost that you, Lord, are God. And secondly, you really, really, really care about people and want to see them drawn back to you. Pray for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 So, um, it's a little bit of a Christmas message, though there's not a lot of Christmas that's in it. Um, So, if you are a person of headings, the heading that was given to me was, uh, the light has come. Uh, I shortened it to that. The other was a little bit longer. So, the light has come. Uh, into the world, and so that's the a very Christmas message. And uh, so let's, uh, if you've got your Bible or an app or whatever, and you want to follow with me, you can follow with me. I'll be reading from John, the Gospel of John, or the Gospel according to John, um, and then I'll read from John chapter one, uh, and then we can dive in. So let me read for us. I'm reading from the NAS version. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and this life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light, which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as to the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies about him and cried out, saying, This was he whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is In the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. He has explained him. So that's going to be our focus space. So um, it's a very well-known chapter um, in the Bible. If you have grown up in the church, if you haven't, it's one that's very good. I've spent a lot of time in 1 John. And we're going to be focusing mostly from verses 9 to verses 18. But um, what you'll come to note is John uses the same way of thought as many others in the Bible. And uh, I love to use the Bible to interpret the Bible. Um, it probably is that reform thing in me. Uh, but um, it, it's very, very helpful to highlight to you what God wants you to know most about himself. He speaks most about, right? So uh, again, if you are a person who writes um, points, uh, there will be five points. 
uh, today, and um, I'll try keep it as quick as possible. Uh, I will keep it as quick as possible. Uh, and the first point is this, that God has gone through great pains to rid us of darkness. So tonight uh, we've had uh, a few of the performers or the poets, Lily and Redeeming Syllables, and, and a lot of their poems, uh, it doesn't take a genius to recognize that there's a lot of darkness in the world. Whether fatherlessness, men who don't stick around, whether racism, colonialism, or whichever way it's represented, whether hatred between Africans themselves called xenophobia nowadays, but even other races do it, so we know it's a global thing. I mean, the Indians and the Pakistanis uh, one, were once one nation. They drew a line through that nation, and those two nations, you would swear they never were together. There is a lot of darkness in the world. But God has done a great deal to rid the world of this darkness. And how do I see that? How do I know that? It's because uh, here in this passage, John begins uh, at the beginning. And I think it's very, very helpful to always do that, to go back to the beginning. And, and, and the first three verses of Genesis show us already there God doing a great deal to get rid of darkness. And John quotes, almost pointing us back to Genesis to say, look what God did then, and God is doing it again now. What God did in the beginning, we know that the earth was void and dark. And what did God say? Let there be let there be light. Let there be light. God has always done a great deal to bring light into a dark space. It's what John is saying when he starts, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, uh, and without him nothing was made that has been made, and in him was life, and this life was the light of men. What John is saying to us is, just like he did it in the beginning, he did that to point us to this moment. Now, let me say it another way, and a, a little bit of an easier way. And Jesus is this a lot. Paul quotes of Jesus to make this point more realized. He is the embodiment of a lot of things created to point us to him. Now, that's wordy. Now, what I mean is, a good example, light in the beginning was created so that when we see Jesus, we recognize him as the true light. Bread in the beginning was given so that when we see Jesus, we recognize the true bread. A lot of things were created so that actually what Colossians says is all things were created through him and for him. And that means you were created to point us to Jesus. Whether you're doing that now or not, whether you're doing it or not, you are made to image him. You are made in his image to image him. Whether you're doing it or not, sin only comes in chapter 3. What sin has done is that has made the things that were created to demand the attention that belongs only to the creator. And so, what people do is they begin to worship sun gods, forgetting that the sun was created so that when we look at the sun's light, 
were pointed to the true light. John, in our verse, remember the bass guitarist? He's saying, the true light has come. The true light has come. God has done a great deal to rid this light of us. He is using creation to point us to the true light. Not only creation, again, Paul does this in Romans, and John does it today. He also shows that he himself is a witness. He is a witness. He goes through great pains to inform us that I am not the light. I came to witness about the light. So God does two things, or what we see in John chapter 1. He gives us creation. He gives us witnesses and his word. But we'll talk a little bit about that. But, but, but those two are the main things I want to talk about. Creation or the light was made so that we can see the true light when he arrives. Witnesses were given so they can say, in case you miss it, yo, don't miss it. Here is the true light. Here is the true light. Do we get it? That's the pains God has done. Over the years, since the beginning of time, he has given us prophets who have constantly pointed us to the true light. Today, he speaks still through his word. Jesus is the embodiment of this light. He is that. It was given so that we can see this. So point number B, Jesus is the promised light. So in the Jewish faith, light would have been something they didn't miss. It's something that they talked about a lot. It would be as if in Africa we talked about ancestry and the right way to probably write to Africans would be talking about God as the ancient of days. You understand? Because we, we understand ancestry. We talk about it, where we come from, who we are. And a writer who is writing now, maybe this is a you know, song idea, um, to Africans, talk about he who was there before the first ancestor, the ancient of days. We get that. The Jews got light. The concept of light was everywhere. It was in promises. So if we go to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9. So Isaiah is one of the major prophets. He's one of the big guys. So uh, most Jewish kids would know Isaiah. If you didn't know Isaiah, you probably weren't making it through grade school. Uh, that's probably grade one. Like, Isaiah, oh, okay, I know him. Yeah, him I can't. Maybe you can forget Malachi, you know, but not Isaiah. But in Isaiah chapter 9, he mentions one of these promises. Um, but let's read uh, from verses 1 to verse... Um, because of time, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip right through. Read it. Um, Isaiah chapter 9, I, I, I'd, I'd urge you to read it. Let me read from verse 2. The people who walk in darkness, listen to this promise, will see a great light. Those who live in the dark land, the light will shine upon them. This is God's promise. You shall multiply the nations, you shall increase their gladness, they will be glad in your presence. As with the gladness of the harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you shall break the yoke of their burden and staff on their shoulders, the rod of their, of their oppressor, 
as at the battle of Midian. For every boot of the booted warrior in the battle uh, uh, tumult, and the cloak rolled in the blood will be for burning fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. On the throne of David, and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from then on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will accomplish this. So do you hear that promise? We've heard some of those verses, right? If you've grown up in the, in, in the church, you might have heard those verses before. If you haven't, they get quoted quite a lot that this Jesus, a son will be born to us. He will be given. He will be given. And he is the one who will bring a great light. They would have been holding that promise. So that when John says to them, the true light is coming, in verses 9, their ears should be perked. In the same way, again, Africans' ears would be perked if they say, oh, this is the greatest ancestor. We'd be like, wait, why is he the greatest? Right? If there would be a promise like that for us, we would be, oh, wait, we got to listen now. In a movie, this is that line that, you know, in Harry Potter, it's been coming from the beginning. The true light has come, is what John is saying to us in chapter 1, verse 9. The true light has come. And John is doing everything in his power to ensure to us that we don't miss that he is not the true light. That John is not the true light. Now, this is a great place for me to off-ramp just a little bit to say in this day and age it is so so important to us who call ourselves believers to like John ensure that it doesn't stand with us we don't leave people thinking we are the true light one of the things i've learned in discipling people is Sometimes we can enjoy people's dependence on us. It's a dangerous thing. Point people to Jesus. We are not the true light. He is the true light. John John fights for this so much. The temptation because of John's giftings and what he was doing was so much to make him the true light. He's baptizing people. Disciples are following him. And the first three chapters, and this is John the Baptist, not John the guy who writes the gospel. John the Baptist, the first three chapters of John, of this gospel according to John, you see how many times his disciples come back to him. Wait, 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 wait. that guy that you told us about, he's busy doing stuff. And John has to say constantly, yeah, because I told you he's the one. So much so that in John chapter 3 verse 30, John says to us that I must decrease and he must increase. He goes through great pains, great pains to point people to the true light. So no matter how gifted you are, please use your gifts for the kingdom. But while using your gifts, point people to the true light. Because if you point people to yourself, you will hurt people. 
The world is filled with people in dark places because those who are witnessing about the true light wanted all the shine. People depended on a man of God. When a man of God disappoints them, they want to run away from the true light. How many of those stories do we know about? Oh, man, Pastor David, he hurt me so much, I'm done with Christchurch Midrand. I'm done. The true light is coming. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. And John was doing everything in his power to say, there he is. There is the true light. But what we also begin to see in this passage of John is point number three, where Jesus is, darkness disappears. You see that a little bit before in verse five, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. See, where Jesus enters, darkness disappears. John, the one who writes this gospel of John, writes another three books later and he starts very, very similar, by the way. He starts all the way back into the beginning. But in verse 5, he talks about walking in the light. He can't help himself. He loves this so much. He's so Jewish in that way, right? So Hebrew. But his point is this in the first letter of John. That if you say you love Jesus, you have to walk in the light. Now, this is a tough thing. I think the last... Uh, song was really about that, right? Like the authenticity. How do we walk in the light? How do you do that? How do I live so authentically, so honestly, that the world can see Jesus because it's clear? Because I'm not trying to represent myself as I'm okay, right? The minute you, you, you try to represent yourself as I'm doing well, it's a clear sign that you, you want to be some sort of light, Right? You, you care what people think about you because you have, to, you have to come out okay in front of people. Now, I can tell you the f- Bible is filled with people who we have examples of them walking in the light. Sometimes I'm so glad I didn't live back in the days because my stories don't get written here. So my mistakes, my, mis- my, my, my misgivings, you can ask my wife about, uh, but, but they don't get written here for everyone to see. But but the, the ones that are written here are helpful for us for learning what it means to walk in the light, right? That where Jesus is, darkness disappears. And, and they, here are a few examples, and I'll go through them uh, by, by sharing the stories. Do you remember Jacob? Jacob who lied to his father? He lied to his father and told them that he was Esau, right? To get the birthright of Esau. And his life goes into a deep dive and things happen, but uh, at some point he finally has a, a moment with God, right? He has a moment with God. Do you remember the question God asks him? He asks him a simple question. Who are you? Do you think you can lie to me like your unseen father? Or are you going to be honest with me, authentically? And Jacob is like, I'm Jacob. Yeah, because you can't lie to God, right? Where he is, darkness disappears. When you are in true relationship with God, you can't put up masks. He asks questions like, 
Who are you? You can lie to David. You can lie to Black. Can't lie to God. He lied to his father. Wore other clothes as we do to hide his shame or hide being second born in that case. God asks him, who are you? Sheds light on him. And it's only when he finally accepts who he truly is that God begins to rename him, right? You will no longer be Jacob. You will be that a whole nation is named after. Only when you are truly authentic does God begin to use you. So my, my challenge to you today is if, if you don't know how to be authentic, spend time with people who know how to tell you to be authentic. And that's not to say be authentic for authentic sake. Who know how to rub the gospel into your authenticity? To say, you are not alone in that. God has died for that too. To say, I know you think that God cannot love you. But he does. Another prophet, Micah. Micah does it. Micah 7. This is not one that we, we read a lot. So like I said, I'm going to bring a few other poets as well. Uh, so Micah is a good one. So uh, if you have your Bible, you can go to Micah chapter 7. This is like a cool one. Um, I, I like memorizing scripture. Um, this is one of those very, very cool ones to memorize. Uh, it really answers a little bit of what Lily's song was speaking about. When you are in that dark place and there's no smiles and you really feel like you're losing. Or that first song you guys sang, like you just so down, you don't feel like there's any way up. Listen to when Micah was there. Micah in Micah chapter 7. The, the first part of chapter 7, he's just saying, woe is me. I've just messed up. I've messed up like I've bottled it. I, I can't have royally messed up as much as I have. That's what Micah is saying. And he's saying, and so have the people of Israel. We have messed up in front of God. But listen to how Micah addresses the gospel to the darkness. But as for me, I will watch expectantly for the Lord. That's what, that's what Micah is saying in verse 7. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Do not rejoice over me, O my enemy, though I fall. I will rise. Though I dwell in the darkness, the Lord will be a light for me. Don't rejoice over me, Satan, even at rock bottom. Don't do it. Because I know I will rise. I know I will rise. This is when you are struggling with authenticity. Know this. There is nothing that you have done that surprises God. His grace is sufficient. So, learn to speak these words to yourself and to each other. Do not rejoice over me, devil, when I fall, because I will rise. When I'm in darkness, the Lord will be a light for me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I've sinned against him. Until he pleads my case and executes justice for me. He will bring me out to the light and I will see his righteousness. God has been in the business of bringing people out to the light. Remember his pursuit of David? David did everything to hide his sin. If you think you struggle with hiding your sin, you haven't gone to the lens. I hope you haven't gone to the lens of David because he killed someone. 
slept with Bathsheba, was like, oh, I've messed up. Knew he had to account and did what people of power do when they have to account. Organize a hitman. Well, he organized a hit, just a different way, on Uriah. Killed the man. But when God pursues him, he says his words similar to Micah, just not quite the same. Oh, I have sinned against the Lord. Authenticity. God is in the business of bringing people back to the light. What is it that you need back in the light? What is it that you need to trust God for? There's nothing that will surprise him. Nothing. Learn to run to him like the man of old. Like these prophets. Learn to run to him like the man of old. He loves bringing his children back into the light. If you remain in darkness and you say you walk with him, you lie. You lie. He loves it. He loves stories of broken people talking about how Jesus brought them back into the light. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's the beauty of this word. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 5 to 7, says it this way. Apologies, I'm flipping through my Bible. See, this is why you need one of those digital Bibles. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 to 7. For we do not preach ourselves, listen to Paul, like John, I don't witness to myself, we don't preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord, and ourselves as your bond servants, for Jesus' sake. For God who said, now he goes back to the beginning, the same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, that God is the one who has shone a new light in our hearts. And then he speaks to his people. He has shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's the only place where you will see this light. The true light has come, as John said. It's the only place. All other lights will fail you. Even those who are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, he quickly stops them. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Jesus, it's the light shines on his face. It's the only place you'll find it. Everywhere else, you will go down the wrong lane. It ends with despair. It ends in darkness. Point number four and five are really meshed up together, and this is how we finish. In Christ, we then are invited to be light. Hey, baby girl. It's my little daughter, sorry. She's calling out. She hears my name. I mean, my voice. I've got that voice, you know. <laughs> Joking. So in Christ, we are invited to be light. So Matthew, when Matthew writes about Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It's, an, it's, it's a famous sermon. In Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Um, so if, if you go there, you can read what Jesus' sermon went like. But in that sermon, Jesus does something quite amazing. He invites us to be light. He invites us to be light. Right? 
So he says this, so he talks first about those blessings, blessed are those who do this, blessed are those who do that. And then verses 13, he says this to us, you are the salt of the earth, but if a salt becomes tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Verse 14, where we focus, you are the light of the world. You're like, wait, what, Jesus? You are the true light. And he's like, no, no, no. Because now I've come in you, be light. Right? You are the light of the world. And then he says, a city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone light a lamp and put it on a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all those who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father who is in heaven. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. Do not think I came to abolish the law or the prophets. I did not come to abolish but to fulfill. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or stroke shall pass from the law until all is accomplished. Whoever then announces one of these, the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he who keeps and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom. For I say to you, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now that's a wordy statement. I mean, that's a wordy part. We sometimes get the early part. You are the light of the world, right? You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and keep it, uh, put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that it can shed light to the whole house. And then sends his challenge to us. He says, therefore, let your light shine before men. So that as they see your light, they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. So either way, as you shed your light, it must point people to him. Right? It ends up with him. It ends up with him. If it doesn't end up with him, it failed. you failed as a, uh, as a light. You haven't become the light. Matter of fact, you've led people to darkness. If all glory ends up with you, it's dark. It's dark all around. I've, I've, I've been following the Kanye West story. I've been so encouraged, by the way. Uh, because uh, I saw some of his few interviews. Listen, um, if you... This is where you know, like people are like, I don't know, let's check him out. No. The man, when he's asked a question... He says, oh no, I've come to the realization that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. He's still young. We need to pray for him, but he gets it. He gets that part. It's all about Jesus. His light is shining before men so that people can glorify his father who is in heaven. Let your light shine before men. Let it shine before men. Don't put it under a lampstand or, 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 an, or a bowl. Rather put it on a lampstand so that it can shine to the whole house. Let your light shine. He invites you. He invites you to let your light shine. Now, you and I, um, the problem with us is we tend, because we struggle with point number three, that where, Je- where Jesus shines, all darkness goes away. We struggle with authenticity. You know what happens? You know what the devil does to us? He reminds you that Oh, is this you talking about Jesus? Remember last night? Are you, are you, are you out here trying to let your light shine? What, shi- what light is that? But the reason is this. is because most times when we share, we forget to tell the people 
the true story about who we are. This is for the Christians. If you're not a Christian, I'll have a, a word with you just now. This is my ending point. We are broken vessels that God uses to make much of himself. The reason you share about Jesus is not so that you share yourself as a perfect person. Because that guy doesn't exist. You share a story about how a broken person met a perfect God who let his light shine into your situation and your eyes were opened and you held on to this God. Imperfect as you are and began on your journey of sanctification, constantly repenting and believing. What makes you a Christian today is today will you call on his name. Today will you humble yourself, run to him with your sins, repent and believe. It's not that you did it someday with that you wrote at the back of your Bible. That's not how Christianity works. It's not responding to an altar call and then you're good forever. Christianity is a person who realizes his need for Jesus every day. His mercies are new every morning because he knows you need them tomorrow. Great is his faithfulness in that way. If his mercies lasted just one day back then, oh, we'd be a mess. So when I share the gospel with my brother who doesn't believe in Jesus, I go back to him again and I say, Offense, I know the way that the world sometimes misreads me is they think that I'm the light. They did it with John. But I want to come back to say to you, I'm not perfect. I really am not. But I just serve a perfect father who loves me perfectly. My sins might not be there for all to see, but if I had to number them, oh... I would be damned. I would be damned. And so I'm calling you to the cross that I'm kneeling at, begging the Father, forgive me, for I have sinned. Forgive me. Remember the prayer? The Pharisee? Thank you that I'm not like that man. Remember the prayer of that man? Lord, have mercy on me. A sinner. Every day, that's us. Every day, that's us. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Now, if you're not a Christian in this room, pray that prayer for the first time and learn to pray it daily. Because one of the names that Jesus was called in Isaiah was Prince of Peace. The peace he brings is not one against Iraq and USA, though that peace would be nice, or China and the US, or someone else in the US. <laughs> That's not the peace he's bringing. The peace he's bringing is between you and God. We all were once enemies to God for those who are in Christ. But if you're not in Christ, you're still an enemy. Now, let me tell you this. You have not picked a worse enemy to become a person of. What we did to God, he should have wiped us out right away. But he's holding back every day giving you breath so you can come and hear a sermon like this or read his word or hear redeeming syllables sing on Lily Million and respond. So today, when you hear, I beg you, don't harden your heart. Be like the rest of, join us at the cross. See the light. Let it come in and push away the darkness. I have no idea what you're going through right now. 
but let the light in and it will begin to push away at the darkness till one day when Jesus comes back will be perfect light no more place for darkness it will be worth it trust me trust it will not be easy darkness removing is not an easy thing it could be a boyfriend who's causing you to stay there it could be money i don't know what it is that it is you're fighting with but whatever it is it just reveals darkness let jesus in let him begin to push away some of that darkness be authentic with brothers and sisters in here what you struggle with let's pray together that micah prayer do not rejoice over me oh my enemy when i fall i will rise again Though I walk in darkness, the Lord will be a light for us. Remember that this Christmas. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the work that you have done. Oh, a great work it is. You came into this world to bring news that no one else could bring. You came to be that which no one else could be. A light. in such a dark place and so father we embrace you as that light of the world we celebrate you tonight and so father we pray do a work in us again cause us to run back to you even if it's for the 100th time with the same thing i did it again lord but i don't want the devil to rejoice over me i will bear the indignation of the lord until Jesus you plead my case in front of the father as the prince of peace father i pray that all in here would taste what that feels like the release of the overwhelming burden of sin or the penalty of it that they would know that they don't have to die that though they die they live oh lord i pray that my brothers and sisters in here would know what that feels like what that tastes like what it means to know you as a great father in jesus name i pray amen